This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, a Dade Brigade podcast and your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. It's another off-season, preseason edition of Magic City Soccer. We have a lot to talk about today, both related to the team uh, and related to the Dade Brigade. So let's dive right into it. Let's get to the introductions uh, per usual. Uh, we have Drew Hausman with us this evening, or whenever you're listening to it. Drew, how you doing, pal? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, Pokemon Go Generation 2 came out today. Let's talk about that. Pins and needles until I open up the <laughs> app. Can't wait to see the new creatures that are, just so everyone knows, we are shifting entirely into Pokemon Talk, so be ready for that. Um, but So, Omar, we sprung this on you, kind of a surprise, but hope you can adjust. Omar Mubayat is on the line. How you doing, buddy? I, you know what it is? I'm still in preseason form. I can't get this bottle open to pop. It's kind of annoying here. I, I was gonna. It say, sounded like you were that? shotgunning it. Yeah, it was like it was like you were. <laughs> I was like, okay. it or something. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, he needs some practice. So get get a couple more. Make sure you get get those practice before the end of the show. Yeah. Um. So, uh, like I said, we have a lot to talk about. Um, but before we get into Pokemon Go. All right. Yes, because again, a, I have everyone a, I have is a, on pins and needles about yes, this new update. I have but. a life predicament for you guys, right? Do you guys like cupcakes? Uh, who doesn't? Drew? Yeah, I... Do you like cupcakes? Yeah, man, as long as they're not the vegan All ones. All right, yeah, fair enough, fair enough, right? <laughs> Do you guys ever, like, go through your TV channel and then run into Cupcake Wars and actually sit there and watch it, though, or is it just me? Um, not specifically Cupcake Wars, but I've known to watch a, uh, a Bake Off or two. Alright, here's the reason I asked. Now, Go ahead, Matt, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, I've actually never seen, is, is Cupcake Wars a Food Network program proper, or is this on some other cooking station? Yeah, I think Food Network owns Cooking Channel also, or The Cooking Channel, and they kind of trade, uh, I guess, uh, intellectual content rights, uh, for each show. Okay. But here's the reason I'm asking, right? So... Valentine's Day, I go to Publix, and I see some delicious six-pack of cupcakes all in a heart-shaped box, and I think, oh, these are fantastic. I'm going to bring these home. So we're having a nice dinner. We're chit-chatting, whatever. We get to dessert. I open the cupcake box, and I proceed to have my entire face covered in frosting and the cupcake crumble in my hand, down my face, and onto the plate. And at this moment in time, I look like somebody who has never, ever, ever eaten a cupcake before. And it hit me. Now I know why these bastards on Cupcake Wars eat that shit with a fork. <laughs> so you just like <laughs> wait, wait. So like you just did it like smush it. You were trying to eat it, and you just like became like the cupcake monster. Let me, like what happened? Yes, let me try to explain. Right. <laughs> so there's frosting all over my face. The actual cake of the cupcake has now crumbled down my hand as I took a bite. So now I've got like this crescent moon shaped cupcake with like. A three quarters of the frosting missing because it's on my nose, on my cheeks, around my lips, and it hit me as that moment as I probably looked incredibly stupid while trying to eat a cupcake. That there's now I know why that French guy 
eats it with a fork. He cuts it down the middle, and he eats it like a piece of cake. And I'm sitting here stuffing my face, looking like this guy who's never eaten a cupcake before, you know, or like a diabetic who all of a sudden can have sugar again, just shoving cupcakes down his mouth is is basically what it looked like, if I can paint the mental picture for you. Okay, I, I didn't foresee this is where we were going to start, but I, I like where we are, and I feel like this calls for a Twitter poll. Do you feel comfortable eating a cupcake with your hands? Because I never foresaw this really being a problem. However, I do usually wind up with like a handful of icing by the end of it because I've eaten somehow eaten too much of the cake. So I, I, I didn't relate to this at first, but now the more I think about it, the more I kind of can understand a little bit. I don't know about eating it with a fork. I'm not George Costanza with a Snickers bar over here. Like, but, but yeah, I, I, I maybe can see where the difficulty comes from. Yeah, it's, it's actually, you know, and then it happened to me again today. I have dinner. I look in the tray. There's two cupcakes left. There's they're, And they're both chocolate, by the way. Thank you, Publix. So we both happen to be chocolate, and I grab the cupcake again, and I, you know, peel off that little wrapper that it shouldn't be there. It's just a waste of space. And I peel off the wrapper. I grab the cupcake. I take a bite of it. And what happens? Now half the cupcake is now inside the pan of where it was, you know, served in. And the other half is in my hand with half the frosting again in my face. And I don't know if it's one of those things where I just don't know how to eat a cupcake and I need to go to, like, uh, some kind of culinary school to, like, learn how to eat one correctly or, like, finishing a normal school. human being. Right. Finishing school, eating school. Uh, but it, it's, it's pretty. This I, is listen, the cupcake fork yes. and this is the cupcake knife. Now I'm self-conscious. Now I never want to eat a cupcake in front of people ever again. Okay. Remind me. Uh, I, I will um... – I won't, I won't divulge any more cupcake information because I think we're on cupcake overload. But I have a very funny story about a cupcake and the wrapper of the cupcake to share at a later date. I'll keep the listeners in suspense. But go go to our Twitter handle, at Magic City Soccer, and vote. Do you feel you need a fork and knife to eat a cupcake? That's what, how we're going to start off on the podcast today. Um, I like that. That's an interesting, interesting conundrum. So um, let's move off of cupcakes and let's talk about a team that kind of performed like a cupcake uh, in their most recent performance. It's early on. They were playing an MLS squad. uh, But the Miami FC have started their preseason with some mixed results. Um, A win against the United States under-19 team and a pretty crushing loss against Toronto of uh, Major League Soccer. Omar, you were out there for uh, the game against the under-19. What did you see? Um, Here's what I saw. I feel like the under-19 team was definitely in better shape than our boys. And that's obviously easy to kind of interpret because our guys are coming off a four- or five-month layoff and the under-19 team pretty much stays fit or in training camp year-round, just like every other United States uh, national team of any age level. So I think one thing I heard throughout the amount of people that were there on the sidelines, they kept saying, wow, these guys are in shape, or wow, these kids are quick. And I think at first it may have caught us on our back foot, kind of a little bit by surprise. But I think as the game evolved and as the game kept going, you saw, you know, the age difference. You saw the age difference and the experience come into play where the speed was no longer the deciding factor. I'm sorry I started speaking and somehow I had muted my microphone. That That's interesting and I think it's, uh, you know, uh, going forward that'll definitely be a focus 
um, of the team as we proceed. Um, you know, in, in improving fitness. Uh, you know, a, a team last year that seemed to kind of wilt a little bit towards the end of the season. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not questioning the team's fitness, but you know, when you look back at the results of the last few games, you could definitely see a bit of deterioration. And again, making any judgment after one or two or even four or five preseason games can be a little bit rash. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something we're going to want to keep an eye out for. Um, Om, as I mentioned, Omar was actually out at the game, which was it was at St. Thomas or was it at Barry? St. Thomas. It was at St. Thomas. Uh, and Omar actually got to grab a couple interviews that he and fellow uh, Day Brigade member and uh, semi-regular uh, contributor of Magic City Soccer, Lee Ifans, uh, were out there and, and really got an up-close-and-personal look at the team and um, and how it functioned. And so we actually have a couple of interviews to contribute. We got some news, some some reporting uh, done by Omar. And so I, I kind of want to, before we really dive into our talk about what we feel about the team and, and some other interesting Day Brigade events, I kind of want to go over these interviews. We've got, I think, three interesting clips. If you follow uh, Day Brigade on uh, Facebook or Twitter, you might have already seen uh, the interview with Alessandro Nesta, uh, the team's manager, and, and we'll talk about that in a second. But there's actually more from two other interviews that we wanted to share. Um, first, Omar got a chance uh, to talk to Poku, a uh, member of the Miami FC, much beloved member of the squad, uh, midseason edition last year, and... Uh, Omar got a chance to ask him a couple of questions about what he's looking forward to uh, this season. Omar from Magic City Soccer here live with Poku after the match against the Baby Yanks. Poku, you opened the scoring today with what in my opinion was a marvelous shot into the upper corner. Now, when you're receiving a corner like that, do you think, yeah, I'm going to beat him in the top corner or are you just trying to get your foot on the back of the ball? Uh, it all depends on uh, the keeper's position. Uh, sometimes it's tough, but sometimes it's too... Um, packed in the post so you just gotta go for it uh, but sometimes you just want to put it back in the danger zone to see what's going to happen be honest though, you were going to beat him the whole time right <laughs> um most times not the whole time but most times yeah <laughs> so i did want to ask you um a lot of us were talking about their fitness level out here what they what they brought out they looked like they were flying at least from the sidelines what did you note about the under 19's fitness level and did it test you in any way because these guys are training around the clock and you guys are coming off roughly a four or five month layoff here um uh, if you can if you can see I think they were they were really good um you know they they created a lot of chances and caused some problems I think they are they are looking good with the same age group uh, I think it will be a different game even for, with us it was tough it wasn't an easy game so I'll give credit to them I think they did a really good stuff absolutely and last question and I will let you go on this um when you step out into FIU stadium or any stadium because you've played all around the world what necessarily do you draw off when you see the energy from the stadium? You walk out for the first time, the light hits you, you look around maybe. Is there any kind of energy that you feed off of? And maybe if the game's not going your way necessarily, you say, yeah, it gives you that second wind. What, what do you look for? What, what, what motivates you once you hear that crowd energy and things of that nature? Uh, the only thing that motivates me is the crowd, uh, nothing else. Uh, you know, when you step on the field at uh, the FIU Stadium and you see the crowd uh, and you can think these people are here because of me because they believe in you. And they believe that you're gonna win, so it it makes me feel like I gotta give everything out there, even if it does, it's not going my way. Uh, and uh, that is the really, really motivation for me. And uh, I would thank the fans for that uh, because they've been, uh, you know, they've been there for us all the time. So 
hopefully uh, and we're working hard for them this season to get to get them something to get them what what they really want this season Hope you thank you so much for your time have an excellent great rest thank of your preseason look forward to seeing you again in Miami FC right. Orange thank you thank you thank so you. much man so uh, not only did Omar have the chance to speak to Polk, we actually also got a chance to speak to the uh, opposing side uh, that uh, that afternoon, which is kind of odd to say considering he's the he's involved in the under-19 team of, of the United States. Um, but Brad Friedel was, was on the other side, on the other sideline, um, kind of an American legend, not kind of, an American legend in, in soccer, um, playing, you know, in, in England, um, coming back to the United States, um, uh, playing in Turkey, um, and and Omar got a chance to speak to him not only about his personal career but uh, you know his involvement with the under 19s. You are again one of the first American goalkeepers to make the move over to England um, and and really popularize the game here in the American. I'm sorry, in the United States. How do you feel that that experience has prepared you to become a head coach here for the United States under 19 team? Well, that experience helped helped a lot. I was over 20 years um, over there, but um, my last four years of my playing career, then I went on to do my UEFA B, my UEFA A, and my UEFA Pro license over there and was coaching in Tottenham's uh, academy, and that prepares you a lot more for coaching. Coaching's a lot different than uh, than playing. I think as players, we all think we know the game inside and out, um, but it's a big difference when you have to try to teach the players on the field. Um, experiences, yes, uh, help, but it, um, a lot of different parts of the plane and then your post-career help out with coaching absolutely absolutely and i do wanted to ask you a lot of these guys are going to be coming up most of them will probably make the promotion over to the under 23 team as they get older Mm -hmm. hopefully qualify for the olympics down the road is there anything you're doing specifically to improve their tactics or improve their development to hopefully have the united states qualify for the olympics in 2020 um yeah i mean i hope so i mean one of the fitness levels of of the players uh, need to improve vastly across the uh, the country um, the uh, the way that the season is with uh, the players that go into college, they're not allowed to play on a year-round basis. Uh, our off-season in MLS is way too long. Our off-season in NASL and USL is way too off, so the players lose their fitness uh, quite easily. Um, and that is uh, that is a lot of problems even when it comes down to the tactical side of things because you have to be, I don't care if you're Barcelona or Bayern Munich, you have to be able to run uh, to, to, play, uh, to play football and be competitive in football. Um, we have a tremendous uh, base of, of a lot of really good talent uh, in the United States. I think a lot better than some people will give us credit for, and at all age groups, even down to the U14s, um, when we put our best 11 um, and even uh, dig deeper in those numbers, uh, we can compete with just about anybody in the world on a consistent basis. Um, it's, it's now up to us to get that strength and depth at all the, all the age levels. As far as getting this team prepared, uh, for the Olympics, yeah, every time I bring the players into the camp, I, I try to test them. I try to push their levels. Um, I know uh, there was a lot of uh, talented players on show here um, today, and this camp was difficult uh, for them um, because a lot of them have been in preseason. Right, absolutely. So they're not match fit, and I know Miami FC isn't match fit. This is their first run out. So, um, you know, we have to take all those things into consideration. But uh, overall, very, very pleased with, uh, with our week-long camp here. Absolutely, and you will close out the camp with a game against El Salvador, if I'm not mistaken, in no, a couple days? No, we played El Salvador. We beat them oh, 2-1. Uh, we played El Salvador's under-20s, oh, okay. and, and we beat them 2-1, and that's good, being the under-19 group and playing an older group, and, and then I wanted to play against a much older group today, which uh, which is difficult, because our boys are 17 and 18 years old, um, and I thought we more than held our own. Brad, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. It was a pleasure as a fan watching you play now to develop the next generation of American athletes. Thank you so much for your time. Right, my pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Sir.
And last but not least, as I mentioned before, uh, Omar spoke to head coach of the Miami FC, Alessandro Nesta. Uh, and as I mentioned, you may have seen some of the interview, but um, something you may not have heard was Omar talking to Nesta about how playing a Division One team, an MLS team, uh, in the preseason could affect his team. On the docket going ahead, you do have Toronto FC and you do have Chicago Fire coming up. Is there any extra motivation knowing that those are Division I MLS squads to possibly make a mark or make an impact that will be heard around the soccer community for Miami FC, in your opinion? Yes, it's uh, very important to play against a team like uh, Toronto, Chicago. It's good for us, uh, for the players and uh, for uh, support, every, everybody, because uh, we want to compete against uh, the best team to be ready for the first game of the season. So a lot to digest from those three interviews. Um, we talked a little bit about that game against the under-19s that Omar was there for. There's another game we have to talk about. It's hard to believe that, again, the team is, has already got two preseason games under their belt. Um, um, they had a chance to play Toronto uh, FC of Major League Soccer. And as I mentioned, not a great result for the Miami FC as it was a bit of a thrashing, a 6-1 result. Um, goal coming towards the end for Miami FC. Um, guys, I know, again, we're very early on in the preseason, second game. Um, you never want to lose 6-1, but it is against a Division One team. And it, it is against a team that's probably a little bit more ready to go than Miami is at this particular moment. What do you take away from that game? Let's go to Drew. In the famous words of Allen Iverson, Talk about practice. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you never want to lose 6-1. It's, it's, it's embarrassing, but at the same time, it's a preseason game. If you also look at the lineup, you know, there's a, there was a few adjustments, a couple uh, players that maybe were fairly unfamiliar with each other. I mean, it, this is all just a great time for Nesta to kind of shift the squad around, see what works, see what Kingsley has to make. Um, so, you know, I say it's more of a conditioning thing and, kind of a squad cohesion drill more than a very competitive game. Um, you know, we got a couple more coming up, so we'll see how we do later in the preseason. But uh, considering you've just played a under-19 squad and it is your first game back together and with new players, it's it's not uh, alarming. Omar, what do you take away? Um, listen... Toronto FC is more than likely one of the better teams who's in the MLS, even coming into this season. Uh, they took Seattle. I mean, they, they should have won the MLS Cup, to be quite honest. Uh, they took Seattle all the way to the wire. It took some miraculous saves and some unlucky shots against the post and the crossbar, really, for them to not walk away with the Cup uh, a few months back. So, you know, you're asking this Miami FC side that it's still learning to play with some of its new pieces, um, and, and kind of come into that cohesiveness of a unit to play against a team that, you know, it, it's a well-oiled coffee machine, I would say, right? You can get espresso from this machine all day long, man. With Giovinco, I'm not sure 100% if uh, Bradley was uh, or played at the game. And again, I'm not sure if Altador got into the game either. I don't believe so. Um, but at the same time, even with just Giovinco on the field, Giovinco is just another level of athlete altogether. And, you know, you just see it every time he plays a game. He ends up on a Sports Center highlight, you know. And asking mm -hmm. our guys to defend a player of that caliber is not 
a caliber of player they're going to see in the NASL. And it is, you know, an oddity. You look, again, you don't want to lose 6-1. Nobody wants to lose 6-1. It's deflating. It could hurt morale. But at the same time, it's important to realize that this is, you know, one of the top teams in North America across the board. They could probably hold their road in Liga MX. Um, and at the same time, you know, their preseason did start earlier than ours. So they have a few extra games and a few extra weeks of training under the belt. Yeah, I think it's it's brash to really jump on anything at this point. Um, you know, Miami FC has a game this Sunday against the Chicago Fire at IMG Bradenton. Um, I think that might be a little bit more uh, of an interesting watch from our perspective in terms of quality because Toronto FC is leagues ahead of Chicago uh, in the MLS uh, and that would make Chicago much closer to us uh, than Toronto. Um, I, I think that would be interesting. I think if the team sees another 6 or 5 nothing or 5-1 thrashing at the hand of Chicago, um, that might be a little bit more cause for concern. But as you said, Omar, that, that MLS Cup uh, final, uh, we saw Toronto and Seattle go nose-to-nose and toe-to-toe um, in a really exciting game, in a well-played game. Um yeah, I don't think there, there there's no reason to hang your head quite yet. Uh, but what it, what is interesting to me about the way this preseason schedule lays out is you've got Chicago, and then you have basically until March 18th, you don't have what I would consider at or above quality level opponents. You, you, uh, Miami FC plays Florida Gulf Coast at St. Thomas, and then plays Barry at Barry. And then on March 18th, uh, in a game that I think a lot of people will be interesting to see for a, a preseason match, it'll be Miami FC versus the Tampa Bay Rowdies, uh, the USL's Tampa Bay Rowdies. But that'll be a good long while. It'll be almost <laughs> a month. Um, it'll be 27 days. Uh, so I think this is the last good look Miami FC will have and the last good look we'll have for a month. Um, and I, I think that will be an interesting perspective to take away. But you have to get your boys reps. It doesn't really matter necessarily who you play against because that competition is going to be there. Playing against a team that may not be of your caliber might also be helpful because these kids that we're going to be playing in Florida Gulf Coast and in Barrie, um, they want to make a name for themselves. They want to be scouted one day. And and they're going to play to a level above what they're capable of you know uh, Miami FC will have a target on their back and all the guys on the field are going to have a target on their backs because they're going to be the reason why a kid can be drafted uh, to the MLS or a kid will sign a division two contract or a kid might get scouted to go overseas so it's important it's important for Miami FC to be on their ball game not take any of them lightly uh, not saying they would but at the same time let's also not poo-poo on the Chicago Fire you know, Chicago Fire have made additions over the offseason, uh, adding Dax McCarty. Um, yeah, no, no, that's not poo-poo over them. They have Juninho. Uh, they do have the designated player in David Ackham. They have guys who can definitely play. Um, and, you know, let's not go in here and expect us to, you know, win the game 5-0 or 7-0, etc. Um, but again, you know, that's kind of uh, my thought process. If a game ends out 2-2 or if it ends up, you know, one goal win, uh, or even a one-goal loss. It's not necessarily a bad showing. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be perceived as though I'm saying we're going to play Chicago and beat them down. Uh, I, I don't think that's what we're looking for. I, I'm just saying that 
if you're playing Toronto and then you're playing Chicago, even though they have made those additions, you're still going to expect you you would hope you would get something more competitive. If if Miami's losing seven nothing to Chicago, that would grab my eyes a lot more than losing six nothing to Toronto. Right, right. I I think also there was another uh preseason game added. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think they're playing Saint Thomas at Saint Thomas, but yeah, it's kind of interesting that they have the the two kind of heavy hitter MLS games, and then either three or four college games in between. But definitely that Rowdies game is really going to be the game that kind of you get to see where we're at this year because that game is going to be competitive. It's the last preseason game, and then we're off to play North Carolina for the first game on the road, and then Cosmos at home. So um, even if we do lose to the Fire, you get a little three or four game confidence boost hopefully just beating up on some college kids hmm. bingo and, and that's the key though right there it's the last tune-up game between tampa and miami for both squads so they're both going to come out and they're going to deploy tactics and strategies that they're going to be using for game one to see how they gel against opponents that should be of equal quality so it would be interesting to see and no for you do yes <laughs> single tier um, so, uh, I, I think, uh, we're definitely going to be recording another episode before the start of the season, but I actually think that's the most we've talked about. Well, cause I believe the last time we recorded, we still didn't quite know what the preseason was going to look like. We didn't so, know what the schedule looked like, period. Yeah. The, I, I, I think we were just complaining about not playing. Yes, no, I think we were. And then I think <laughs> and like now we're complaining two days about later, it's like they dropped it right on our head. Oh, you know, you don't think there's going to be good competition. Guess what? Thump Toronto right on your head. So uh, all the all the fans, you're welcome. Yes, we did it, we, guys. We, we kind of made that happen. We did it. Um, so uh, let's transition away from there. Uh, we do want to talk about something that is always the uh, specialty in the uh, the domain of one Drew Hausman, and that is, of course, player acquisition. And we have player acquisition to discuss. Uh, Drew, do you want to introduce everyone to the new signing? Uh, for sure. Um, once again, I think it happened maybe a couple days after we did the last podcast, but uh, we picked up uh, three more players to, to kind of end off the signings for the year. Um, we got goalkeeper Ryan Herman, who's 23 years old, originally drafted by uh, FC Dallas. I uh, don't think he got too much or any playing time uh, in the top, top tier over there, but um, the dude is giant. <laughs> That's all I know about him. He's giant. So if you see a giant lanky white guy, that's him. Uh, the other one was Cesario da Costa. Hope I'm saying that right. Uh, but it's an 18-year-old midfielder. So um, I will say also we do not have Super Daru anymore. Again, another single He's no tier. longer with the team. Yeah, <laughs> um, he went back to play in Banfield in Argentina. So uh, maybe Cesario can turn into Super Cesario. Who knows? And then the last signing was uh, probably the best one of the offseason was uh, Michel from Rail OKC. Just an absolute beast in the league last year. 14 goals. Uh, he spent time at, in the MLS playing for FC Dallas. So I think uh, now that Dario's gone, we, we got the guy to take all our PKs. <laughs> <laughs> I think Drew was ready to organize a Michel welcoming parade when he heard the news, uh, and rightfully so. A really perfect MLS, uh, MLS perfect NASL player, um, you know, who has succeeded 
you know, he has the the credentials. He has the 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 backstory in the league, which I think was part of our complaint last year that you know it was a team put together on paper, but not really put together with the league itself in mind. I think that we're definitely starting to see a front office that's adjusting to the realities in front of them, and uh, and again making the team better. I guess the Ranella fan club is losing one member towards the Michelle fan club. Yeah, that's our <laughs> contest. Come up with a, a T-shirt for Michelle. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. So um, those are he does look a little bit, a little bit like Skeeter from Doug. So if you can incorporate the haircut, maybe some photoshopping. So we need to make him on the green? right path there. I mean, if you want. Okay. Yayu. Killer Killer tofu. Um, so, I, <laughs> okay, guys, we are now shifting entirely to Doug themed podcast. Um, oh my god, I'm looking at him now. He does kind of look like Skeeter. <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, I will. I will say, last year during the preseason, I went to the rail game, and I think I just called him Macklemore for 30 <laughs> minutes, and then Skeeter for like another solid 30 minutes. <laughs> Oh god, that was. Hopefully, his English isn't that great, and he doesn't uh, remember faces too well. That game was yeah. He's gonna come over and beat your ass. Um, <laughs> that's funny. I god, I remember that game so fondly. That first preseason game against Ryle. Um, fuzzy watercolor memories. Uh, anyway, uh, let's uh, transition a little bit. Uh, let's kind of start to bring this in for a landing, but talk about something that's very important to everyone on the call here. Very important to the members of the Day Brigade which was the first annual Day Brigade foot golf competition. Um, I think it was fantastic. I think it was a so great show of, of competition at the highest level. Um, <laughs> I, I think the team has something to learn from, from, from Miami FC has something to learn from what Team E was able to put together uh, last weekend. Um, so for those of you, and obviously I'm, I was a member of Team E, we'll talk more about that in a second because Drew's going to reach through the computer and strangle me. But <laughs> if you are not familiar and you can't kind of put together two and two, foot golf is a combination of football, soccer, and golf. Uh, the Killian Greens Country Club, Golf Club, hosted us. Uh, they have a foot golf course that kind of runs parallel alongside they're the first nine holes of their golf course, and it's again, it's exactly what you imagine. You take a, a, a soccer ball, kick the crap out of it, and try to knock it in the hole. Um, and we had uh, 24 people playing. I think so, 20 or 24. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we, I think we got that those last four gentlemen that no one was really familiar with, and I think we got up to 24. Um, but it was a real fun time. I know Drew was was. Super excited about it uh, during it, and then heard the results. Since all of a sudden, just shifted to yelling at me and Omar and Lee <laughs> uh, and Gaston. Um, but it was a really fun time. It's a great way to spend an afternoon. You know, I was remarking to um, I forget the gentleman's name. I feel like it's Kenny. Like I could be completely inventing that. But the gentleman who was running the kind of the pro shop and overseeing the course that I'm never going to play golf. I know Omar, you play golf, but I, I yes. just I don't. That's not something I'm ever – and it's not really something you can just pick up and do on a lark. You know, you can, yes, it is. But not really. i got to buy clubs and – you, you go to Goodwill and you, or you go to Salvation Army and you buy a used set of clubs or you go on Craigslist, buy a used set of clubs for $100 and you learn how to hit a golf ball, man. It's not that hard. Yeah, yeah hundred, just a got, small $100. Yeah, it's not like I can go to a batting cage and hit a, a couple baseballs for like 
three bucks. See, going, you know. Yeah, but you're also not going to like all of a sudden jump into a baseball league where you can go to golf and even if you're bad, like you can still play around the golf and not pay three hundred dollars to join a season long league. You you tell me you have eighteen guys ready to go for pickup baseball. No, but I'm whatever. The point is, I'm not playing baseball either. I, <laughs> That's what I, I thought. got that out of my bloodstream <laughs> when I was twelve. I'm done with that too. But the point is that I don't imagine myself normally as someone who would spend much time on a golf course. But this is definitely something that if you have a soccer ball, you can do. It's 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 just there for you. And so we got started around three o'clock. Um, a shotgun starts. So everyone's starting on different holes, and uh, we play through the round. And Team E consists of. Me, Omar, uh, Lee Eifens, again, the aforementioned Lee Eifens, um, Gaston, uh, who was actually four. a foot golf uh, competitor, who's a member of the Miami <laughs> Foot Golf Club. So four and a professional. <laughs> Basically. And, and I believe you had a fifth member. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Uh, due to, uh, I guess we must have had 25 people playing instead of 24. There was an odd number, so we were assigned a fifth member. Um, as I'd call him, which greatly helped your odds. <laughs> JD having having a member of a professional uh, foot golf league and a fifth member. Again. Oh my god, dude! You could have played with us, man. Stop being so butthurt about it. <laughs> All the teams were assigned by Mitchell Torres, the president of Day Brigade, who did not compete himself because he is an unbiased and fair official. Um, and we did remarkably well. And by we, I mean largely Gaston, Gaston. and Lee. <laughs> With a few contributions by Omar and like literally, oh, and 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 Julian's dad, uh, JD, as I'm now calling him exclusively. <laughs> I I know it's Eduardo, but I'm calling him JD forever and ever. Um, and um, and I had like literally two shots that were somewhat important. Um, but it was really fun. Okay, I'm 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 done with kind of the background and and giving uh, a little bit of a elbow to drew uh what, what did you guys think what'd you take away from it again besides the fact that drew thinks we're a bunch of cheaters what do you think oh I, I i had a great time like after it took me like 15 minutes to find the first hole <laughs> uh once i finally kicked the ball <laughs> i i couldn't believe how much fun it was like i, I really think i'm going like next week uh if my leg ever recovers <laughs> but it's a fun experience because you're playing on the actual golf course you know uh good competition my team uh we all rode like gangsters and rented golf carts so you know we had a little bit of a golf cart speeding and expedition going on and uh chasing other people on golf carts so it added a extra element to it uh shouts out to chris morazzo from the tailgate show for being an observer slash golf cart driver (laughs) (laughs) who also came out it's good to see chris um yeah yeah it it was super fun uh we definitely uh have at least uh one more plan throughout the year so uh make sure you follow either us or Dade brigade on twitter and we'll let you know when the next one is because for 15 dollars uh you you can't get a better value for a saturday afternoon so you had carts and mm-hmm. you didn't have to walk <laughs> and you still lost we also had four members and we also finished like an hour before you guys that that's that's nice and that's fine, but you had carts and you didn't have to walk in the heat and the humidity and you still lost. <laughs> this is gonna. Be... Uh, I wouldn't say lose. I would say we got third place. Yeah. I would... Okay. That, well, that's respectable out of five. I would say you guys played an excellent round. A round you should be proud of. 
especially the Thank first you. time. We will all be improving, I'm sure. I have lots of room to improve, as those of you who are in the Day Brigade chat could see with your own eyes. Um, <laughs> with my form, uh, I'm a mid-range see, specialist. We, we need to post that video on uh, <laughs> uh, Magic City t- Magic City Soccer. Court. You know, I think maybe this is a, uh, a, 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 a means by which to entice people to join Day Brigade if they're not members already listening. Because uh, if you you get to see me rather embarrass myself trying to <laughs> take a shot, although I will say I, I I feel like I got some praise afterwards because my, my form, while not technically good, was quite entertaining. I, I think, and and ultimately that's what we're all here for, right? Is to be entertained. Um, so I, I'll see if I can go scroll back and find that video, and I'll try to post it on the the Magic City Soccer Twitter. But if if not, I'll send it. To oh you. please! You oh, was it from you? <laughs> no, but I, I have, have it saved. Oh, of course, God. Everyone's probably so it never dies. <laughs> the thing, the thing that I took away from it, and sometimes I like to get sappy and maudlin when I, I shouldn't because it's just a foot golf tournament or it's just like an end of the year party at Friends and Franz. But the thing that I that really like, I was super happy with it before we had teed off at the first hole or we were we were at the fifth hole. But I was looking around at like three o'clock on Sunday and like see like thirty people who were, you know, 25 or 30 people when you count, you know, assorted girlfriends or friends who had come along. And it's like all these people were here because we all support soccer down here. I thought that was great. And and I actually thought about um, someone, if you're familiar with the soccer community down here at all, um, you might be familiar with uh, Kartik Krishnayar who tweets um, a lot, uh, and I, I tweet with Kartik sometimes, and and and, and generally I, I love chatting with him. But one of the things that kind of grinds my gears is how he talks about how Miami doesn't really have kind of the organic kind of community building that's required to really get a club and and keep a club maintained. And I was like, well, this is how it starts. Like looking around and and that group picture in front of Killian Green, like this is what it is. And, you know, are other cities doing it differently or, or are there other ways to do it? And you can reach out to more people, whatever. But I'm like, this is something. Like, it's tangible. It's, 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 it's a moment. And I felt like that was really cool. The, the fact that we were all there and part of it. And, and, you know, now we have plans. And, like, this is a thing we do now. We, we have foot golf competitions. And, and, you know, we get out and we, and, you know, get on the carts and, 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 we're kicking the ball around and we're talking about soccer and, and we're talking about next season and we're, you know, talking about what we're going to order from the beverage cart when it drives around, whatever the case may be. But it's like we're all in this thing together. And I thought that was really cool. And then we got out on the course and it was super fun. Um, and, yeah, it was just – it was really – if you ever needed a reason to, to join a group like Dade Brigade – and again, obviously, soccer should be the reason. If it's, if you're not interested in soccer, it's probably not going to be your thing. But even still, that was super fun. And it it's our supporters group is more than just about the club. It's about community. And to me, that was a really good example of what that means. That we're all bound together. The glue is the club, but we also have our own kind of soccer community going on. And I think that's that's. Really important for for my for Miami Dade County. Pepper Jack, mozzarella, or Gouda? <laughs> yeah, shut up. 
<laughs> you know, all sorts of cheesy men. Like, do you I have was going to say that was super sweet. That was super sweet. Was super sweet. Get out of here with that. that was so cheesy, dude. You have the Kleenex with you, man? <laughs> oh, man. That oh, was, my God. That was sweet. Call me to sip. I, I'm going to cue up like uh, a, a very subtle violin in the background. Shut up. You're both. You're Adele. Jerk, Omar. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Remind me not to be on your team next time. It's what happens when I have one Guinness American Longlogger. <laughs> yeah, that's Shout right. Out he's got Guinness. one pop in him, and now he's getting all grumpy and aggressive. Because well, he can't, he can't open the second one, so he's mad. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I'm done. I'm done talking about my cheesiness. Is that what you do? Is is that what you do with the cheesiness? Is that what happens for your lack of European soccer this season? Oh, good God! Really? Oh, wait, wait. Before we dive into that mess, um, <laughs> like none of us can uh, be happy. Well, I'm gonna run and hide. But I would just like to say, uh, if you're listening to this on maybe uh, Friday, Saturday, or even early Sunday, uh, Miami FC will have a booth at the Coconut Grove Art Fest. This yes, year. which is which is actually Saturday, and, Sunday, uh, and Monday, no, no, no. right? That is no. Yeah, are you sure it's Monday too, though? Because it's President. Yeah, Day. it's Monday also. Okay. Um, but they have one of those insane inflatable dartboards. Yes. The soccer, the soccer dartboard. Dart, yeah, yeah, the soccer dartboard. So um, apparently that's going to be out there, and that looks super awesome. So. Uh, I myself am going to go out there and push all the little kids away and take a bunch of kicks <laughs> that, at it. That, that's worth the price of admission alone. Artwork? Yeah, yeah. Who wants that crappy artwork? What did you do? You just took a crap on a piece of canvas and you're trying to sell it for $5,000? Nah, dude, you can keep that. I'm going to go kick soccer balls at a giant inflatable dartboard. Oh, I'm not going to badmouth the Coconut Grove Arts Festival because we go every year, my wife and I, and it's very fun. Who's bad mouthing? You're bad mouthing. Literally, it sounds like you're bad mouthing all the art there. <laughs> no, no. Have you ever been to like a gallery or like an art show? It sounds yes. like you have, right? Right. So I've been to art shows and art galleries, and some of them are absolutely fantastic. And I love concept art, and I love the idea of photography style art. But dude, when you just put like a brown line on a canvas, and then you're trying to sell it for three thousand dollars, like oh, I agree. No, I agree. Okay, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. Okay, Sorry. thank I'm you. I'm still, I'm still, you're still a little salty over the shot you took of me earlier regarding my cheese. All right, Gorgonzola, keep <laughs> anyway, moving. Anyway. Dog, dog playing poker. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Coconut Grove's Art, Grove Arts Festival. Miami FC will be out there. Some members of Day Brigade will be out there at assorted times, which I think we're still kind of ironing out. Um, and it's, I'll just yeah, be it's, it's a good around, community so. event. If you've never been, it's really it's worth it. It's their their art festivals. Swanalo will be What's playing. That? Oh, oh. No, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, there there are like art festivals next to it that aren't the full price entry of the arts festival. And even still, if you haven't been, especially go once. It's it's worth it. It's a really nice time. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I I really thought we were gonna let the whole. English club team thing lie considering none of us can be all that happy when the best thing going for any one of us is a victory over St. Etienne like in the Europa League I was I I mean you should and, and also I, I, okay, yeah uh-huh, and also yeah, uh-huh. you're still in sixth place the same place you've been for about three months so you really want to go down that road okay like two points out of yeah, two points out of second place. That's perfectly fine. They haven't lost a game in 16 matches. Uh, the 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 idea of winning 
Well, not the trouble. The I trouble was gonna category. say, are you gonna go Europa <laughs> League, FA the trouble Cup, light. Premier the, yes, League? No, the the, <laughs> the the trouble light is over. But you know the the glorified two point five. We can you know we, we can win the League Cup against Southampton and then still make a run in the FA Cup and take down the Europa League. So it'd be kind of funny, all things considered, if you know Liverpool somehow comes out in fifth or sixth place at the end of the season. I I honestly think that you it it's. Liverpool's going to wind up finishing third or fourth, probably fourth. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to drop the fifth because they've got Sadio Mane back and they've really got kind of the full team back after the January swoon of death. Um, I think they're going to kind of right the ship a bit. Um, I, I I think Man City or Man U are going to be that team that's kind of squeezed out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting season. It's there's a, There's a lot going on and... I, I still feel optimistic about the the team we've got. They're young. They're excited. By we, I shouldn't say we. Liverpool. Um, you know, they, they. I think it's going to be a very interesting finish. Hey, you'll never. You'll this never is walk true. Alone, bro. Yeah, never walk alone. Yeah. So, uh, so what are the thoughts here? Because I remember, I, I feel like if we were big enough, freezing cold takes would come out and have been like, Omar Mubai had said that whole city would not get relegated this season and blah, 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 blah after their impressive start to the season. I'm kind of looking at the table and I'm just thinking to myself, maybe they can sneak this one out. But, you know, does does Ranieri get sacked if he loses his first match next week against uh, Sevilla? Does, if, if they lose the opening leg uh, against Sevilla next week in, in, in the Champions League, does he get sacked? Um. I, I I don't think so. I think they're gonna wait. Till I the can't end of the year. imagine. Like they get, I I don't know. Like consider. I'm call me naive. Call me like you know, uh, wanting something that isn't doesn't exist. But the fact that a guy can lead a club to unfathomable heights nine months ago, and people are sitting around now and saying, "Should he be let go?" I don't understand it. I and and I know they're not where they should be. I know that that you know being in a relegation fight is bad for the club and all this stuff. But really, like that, like the guy that helped orchestrate that, you're gonna you're gonna cut him loose nine months after you won. You know, you still have the trophy fresh in your you know your 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 scarce trophy room, and you're you're gonna cut. Who are you gonna get? What, what do, but this is you know Arsene Wenger. I guess here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bob Bradley Redux. No, uh, I think. Uh, but he, I guess here's kind of like like the interesting tidbit. Lee and I were going back and forth on this a few a few weeks ago, um, and he mentioned, well, if Leicester loses to Swansea, do you cut the cord? And I think, well, I, I don't think you cut the cord because Champions League, even at the beginning of the season, Champions League is where they wanted to make their mark. Um, and, and, and God knows if they can reach the final, you know, they seem to show up for those games more than any games, uh, in league play, but doesn't Golo Conte make this big of a difference? And I don't mean to keep like the podcast running a little bit longer, but is that one player, the difference in the amount of points, because that seems to be the only subtraction from this team from last year to this year. And if you're looking at who's the cog that left, it was Conte. And now you're looking at Chelsea, who's top of the table, and now they happen to have Conte, of course, with a slew of other players. But is is he the guy? Is is he the Premier League version of Norris Cole, who whatever team he's on <laughs> plays in the finals? I, no. Yeah, I think he's. I think there's just something about, you know, there's always a swoon. 
any any time a team f- conquers the mountain and especially in the manner that they did there there was always going to be a swoon they weren't they weren't going to win the league and they they no but it's not about not winning though it's about not no that's being what i'm 17. saying is i'm saying they definitely weren't going to win and they almost assuredly weren't going to finish anywhere near the top 4 they were going to the idea would be that they would maybe settle in you take the average of where we thought they were going to be last year and where they were you know where they actually finished you average it out they would they'd be mid table you would have figured they would have been somewhere maybe mid table assuming they make the right moves and right chemistry they get above that you didn't anticipate where they are now but i don't know i just can't like Claudio Ranieri is it is a legend in that city forever i don't care what he he could have lost every game from the beginning of the year until now every single one and it doesn't change the fact his critically important role in all everything that happened last year and i just can't i can't some things right. ought to be bigger than just one season some things ought to be bigger than relegation i i don't know you know like if can we play the Andrea Bocelli song in the background, like really low during this whole thing? <laughs> I don't know. It's about. I mean, I, I like you. Like you said. Like and here's the thing too. They, they didn't they go through the group stage unbeaten. Like <laughs> that's what I'm saying though. That that's the thing. They're waking up for the games that seem to matter of extreme importance, and yet for league games they don't seem to have the same chemistry that shows up on the nights that the Champions League anthem is being sung at the stadium at King Power. So I don't quite understand what is going on there, and and, and that's kind of why I wanted to to defer to you and kind of get your thoughts and, and Drew's thoughts on it, because it to me, it's not just an N'Golo Kante thing. There's something else to play, and I don't know if it's the, the hype of, well, if they win and they get relegated, it doesn't really matter because they still won at, you know, incredible odds. And I don't know if some of that has sunk in, but at the same time, I kind of look at it and say to myself, wait a second, I don't really want them to get relegated from a personal standpoint. I, I wouldn't want that as a fan of the Premier League. You know what I'm saying? And and, and I'm looking at the teams that are going to come up in the championship, and, and we haven't seen, I think even with last year, we saw uh, two of the three teams that got promoted stayed up. Um, and this year, it looks like two of the three teams that got promoted might stay up again. And next year, you're probably looking at you're looking at Newcastle United coming back if all things hold out. You're looking at Brighton Hove Albion, who's going to be, I think they're going to be a factor. I'm not saying they're going to finish higher than mid-table, but to finish mid-table in your first Premier League uh, season in, in quite some time. And then, you know, you have four other teams that equally can play just as well as some of these bottom Premier League teams. It's, it's going to be an interesting next season, and, and I don't want to look ahead, but... I'm kind of looking at this saying, if you're Leicester, can you even compete in the championship? You know, all Ooh. these guys are going to be are going to be paid. What is yeah, this you're thing? All these guys are going to be paid incredible amounts of money, and at the same time, you're losing now on the TV deal revenue that's supposed to be coming in. Yeah, but I mean, they'll I they'll mean, still have. And how much? How many of these guys want to play down there? Payments coming in after the fact from having been up, and there will be at least some additional money from making the group stage, right? I, I, I don't think this is the, you know, I don't think this is a bubble where, like, now all of a sudden they burst and they fall down to the fourth division. I mean, again, talk to me in 10 years and maybe that's exactly what happens, but I just don't, I don't foresee that. There, There's still talent there. There's still, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think they get relegated. I don't think they get relegated just because either they're, they're going to, Keep on in in 
Champions League, and that might motivate them. The, the closer they get to the end of the year, again, that maybe that bell starts to ring for them. I think, I still think it's a little bit too early to start having that discussion. But I, 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 I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. And I would say I feel bad for Leicester fans, but you won the Premier League last year, so eh, I don't feel that bad. And I don't think any true Leicester fan is listening to this. Agreed. Podcast. Wholeheartedly, <laughs> no, probably agreed. not. So, probably not. So, real quick, <laughs> going ar- going around the league, real quick with a little bit of rumors. Amari scheduled to possibly sign with the New York Cosmos. That should be a little bit. That should be pretty interesting. Uh, we have San Diego making a push for the NASL before they get into MLS with the Albion Group. We talked about that last week. The Cosmos should be opening. Uh, their preseason against the Dominican Republic national team. Edmonton re-signed Diatke uh, from last season. And that pretty much catches you up on any kind of rumor mill and signings around the league. Uh, as always, daybrigade.com is where you, join, uh, where you go to join the Day Brigade uh, and become you know one of us in the end zone or some of us in the end zone. Um, Again, if you sign up, you may win a free season ticket package for the Miami F season for the Miami FC upcoming season as well. Uh, your membership package or your pre-order will include a new shirt. Unlike last year's, it's going to be brand mm-hmm. new. Haha! <laughs> You're going to get discounts again to Soccer Locker, Mad About Soccer, Fritz and Franz, Miami Brewing Co., and many, many more to come. You will get a brand new scarf. It will not be your inaugural season scarf because guess what? It's not the <laughs> inaugural season. So keep that in mind. The membership costs roughly about $40. Uh, and again, you will have access to multiple discounts that will make your membership all worthwhile. I think that's a heck of a sell job. I mean, we want you out there. We want you out there with us. We want you out there loud and proud about soccer down here in South Florida, down here in Miami. Um, and it's, I think it's going to be a real good time this season. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Yeah, I think let's wrap this thing up. I think we, we had a Bright and Hove Albion reference, and I think that was our signal to get the heck out of here. Um, so um, that'll do it. We'll be back here probably in a couple of weeks. We're still in preseason mode, um, but we'll be back when we're back. Um Drew, as always, thank you, sir. Oh, thank you, guys. Uh, Much appreciated. Uh, Omar, thank you, as always. Sutton United's 280-pound goalkeeper will keep a clean sheet against Drew House. Ah, I was hoping to avoid all Arsenal talk today. Let's let's, let's be nice on our friend. Again, he's already suffered two big losses this week, foot golf and... And Champions League. Let's Start not, not delve any a further. Two hundred eighty pound so, goalkeeper. Hey man, we we beat. Hold on. <laughs> so, um, it took two handballs, but we beat. Them. Please remember to go to uh, uh, on fa- uh, on Facebook Day Brigade, on Twitter at Day Brigade, and at Magic City Soccer, where there are two points of action. First, the Twitter poll: Do you need a fork and knife in order to eat a cupcake? And the video of me in, in a magisterial manner. Uh, making solid contact with a foot golf ball, um, y- you won't be disappointed. Uh, this is Matthew Bunch. As always, thank you for tuning in. And go Miami FC and go Miami soccer. Yay! Cupcakes, man. Cupcakes. <laughs>